Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Let's go to Colossians 3. You know where we're at. We're almost done with chapter 3. Next week, we'll probably finish up chapter 3. And I believe we've got just about um, a few more messages out of Colossians. um, And then we will be done with the book of Colossians and we'll move on to the next thing. How many of you, has this benefited you? Amen. Good. So, Colossians chapter 3, before we get there, I want to refresh our memories. We're at a portion in Colossians where where Paul is really dealing with some practical aspects of the Christian life. And in doing so, he's teaching us what the Christ-centered home should look like. Now, I want to preface all of this by saying... The motivation, your main motivation to be able to carry out what Paul is writing to the church at Colossae here is from verse 1 of chapter 3 that says, If then you have been raised with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? It means that I used to be dead in my sins, but now I am alive to Christ. I used to be lost in the world, but Christ has found me and the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart in such a way that I now am a new creation. What Paul is telling you is if that has happened in your life, this is how you live. The point of all of it is that the gospel shapes and molds and forms and empowers every aspect of your life. It's not just for church. It's not just for a poster on the wall. It's not just for a coffee mug or a bumper sticker. Or it doesn't just make for a great Facebook post. The gospel permeates and affects powerfully everything in your life. And the truth of the matter is that if it has not, then you have not been changed by the power of the gospel. Because to say that it hasn't changed everything in your life is to say that the gospel has been rendered powerless in your life. That your sin is too great for the saving arm of the Lord. I don't think so, my friends. God's arm has never been rendered short in saving anyone. I know that because I am the worst sinner in here, I promise you. And he saved me. So if he can save me and change everything in my life, he can and will for you as well. So the gospel shapes everything in your life, even your parenting. Now I know you probably think, well, Matt, you don't have children. And it's true, Gabby and I have not been blessed with children yet, and we are praying that we do reach that, that that does happen. I know some mothers in the room who would love to be grandparents, grandmothers. 
And we pray that that happens to us one day. So you might be tempted to tune me out this morning and say, what could you possibly tell me about raising kids? And I understand. I would understand why you would think that way. But let me help you out with something. You do not need 10 tips to better parenting from some popular psychologist or worse, from some social media blogger. What you need, if you are a Christian, is to ask, what do the scriptures say? What does the word of God have to say about my life, about my parenting, about my marriage, about how I handle my money, about everything? And that, dear friends, I can help you with. As we dive into the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God this morning. So with that being said, let's stand. I hope you're there by now. We're reading Colossians chapter 3, and it's verses 20 and 21. This is the word of God. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, acknowledging that you are the example of what a good father is. Acknowledging that we will never measure up to your perfect standard. But Lord, I pray that in this hour, Lord, that you would empower me by your spirit to speak the truth of your word, to expound the scriptures in such a way that it can reach through, penetrate ears and penetrate hearts and bear fruit in all of our lives for your glory, Lord. May I not speak from from human preference or from my own self-exaltation, God, but may you alone be glorified this morning. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. As we begin here, our first, the first thing that we see in chapter, verse 20 is, is children. Now, I know it might seem a little um, arbitrary to do this, but I want to understand what he means by children. Because it's a bit of a vague word. You might read children and think that means toddlers. Or you might read children and think that only means people in, you know, children in diapers. Or you might read that and think that um, it, it's, it's only those who are under 10 years old or 12 years old or what have you. Or the opposite end, that technically we're all children. How many of you in here were born from parents? All of us. Even though not one hand went up, it's really bizarre. I don't know how you got here. But we're all children, technically, because we have parents. But this passage does not apply to those of us who are adults, who are self-sufficient. But rather, this passage would be more pertaining to those who live under the care of their parents and who are directly supported by their parents. If that's you this morning, this passage is for you. Children, then... The scriptures say to obey your parents in all things. Notice how specific this language is and how all-encompassing these words are. All things. 
Not sometimes. Not just when you want. Not just when they make sense. Not just when you agree with their commands. But in all things at all times. This is a command for you from the Lord. So to not be obedient to this, to not follow this, is to be in sin. I want you to think about this. In Romans 1, in verses 29 through 31, you can flip there if you desire. It's Romans 1. Towards the end of the chapter, Paul is listing a, a bunch of different sins a bunch of different characteristics of evil. And he is saying that this is what happens, is those people who have, who have denied the Lord and turned their back on the Lord, that God gives them over to their depravity. He just lets them have at it. He gives them, turns them over to a debased mind so that they can do things that they should not do for disobeying the Lord and for turning their back on Him. And in this list that Paul is going through, listen to what he is listing. That they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Listen, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Wow. Did you see that? Paul is grouping in disobedience to parents right alongside being envious, being an inventor of evil, hating God and murder. How many of you in here have ever thought about disobedience that way? Some parents are like, oh yeah. But not not many of us, do we? But yet God is saying that this is how bad disobedience to your parents is. Why? Because God has ordained authority structures. And so whenever we fall out, out of line or turn our back or in, other, in some other way rebel against God's prescribed authority structures, we are rebelling against God himself. That's tough to hear. But that's the truth of the matter. We are sinning against God. As a child, especially as a teenager, you think you know best, don't you? You think you know best. Think back to when you were a teenager. I know my mom could tell you whenever I was a teenager, I really thought I knew it all. I was wise beyond my years. Nobody needed to tell me anything, and I probably didn't even have a license yet. Like, you don't know anything. You don't. You just think you do. Why? Because we're fallen. And we're prideful. Yes, even as a child, you're prideful. But it turns out that all the warnings that my mother gave me were true. It turns out all the things that she was telling me not to do and to stay away from were true. And boy, would I have saved myself a lot of years, a lot of turmoil, 
a lot of heartache, a lot of money, a lot of burned bridges, etc., 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 had I just been obedient to my parents. Children, I, I hope that this lands this morning. Let my life be an example of what not to do. God has designed these authority structures in every area of our life. Why? Because all of us are fallen and sinful. And without them, without God's authority structures, we will perish. We can't figure it out on our own. We, we, we can't turn to our friends or this person or that person for wisdom on how to live life. Why? Because we're all on the same playing field. We need wisdom from above. And thankfully, God has preserved his word throughout the ages so that we can have that wisdom. Children, not only is being obedient to your parents the right thing to do, it's also a good thing. As the passage says, look at it. Look at verse 20 again. He says, children, obey your parents in everything. Why? For this pleases the Lord. God is pleased with you when you are obedient to your parents. As children, sometimes you might think, as a teenager, sometimes you might think, well, God doesn't pay attention to me. I'm not old enough yet. That's not true. You being obedient to your parents is pleasing unto the Lord. So not only is it the right thing to do, it's a good thing for you to do. Now, what about parents? Fathers, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Now, who is Paul talking to here? He's using the word fathers, which is pateras, which can't, does primarily mean fathers, dads. But it also, it means fathers specifically, but it certainly means parents, both parents, generally. Meaning, the command is not, Fathers, do not provoke your children, but mothers, go for it. It's not, fathers, do not provoke your children directly, do it through your wife. It's not what he's saying here. So it certainly applies to both parents, but namely fathers. Why? Paul is addressing fathers directly because fathers, you have the duty from God to lead your home. Is it going to be quiet in here again? Last week, I mean, I'm sorry, last, uh, the last verse, verse 20. There's a presupposition here. He's, he's saying, children, obey your parents. What does that mean? There's a presupposition there that, that the fathers are telling their children something to be obedient to, right? There's an assumption that your children have something to be obedient to. So fathers, let's ask, are you doing this in your home? Are you leading your family? Are you pulling out the Bible and leading your children in devotionals? Are you teaching them how to pray? Are you teaching them about the gospel? Are you teaching them that their only hope in this life is Jesus Christ? Are you teaching them these things or not? 
Because this is your duty. This is your God-given responsibility. Let's take this opportunity to flip back to Ephesians 6 real quick. Because I want you to see that this isn't Pastor Matt's idea. That this isn't Pastor Matt up here trying to be mean to me. This is me just telling you what the Word says. Ephesians chapter 6. And verses 1 through 3 are a a more um, colorful direction for the children. But we're just going to read verse 4 because that's what we're dealing with right now. Ephesians 6, 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but what? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does that mean? It means you teach them. Instruction means you teach your kids. Teach them the ways of the Lord. Teach them about the scriptures. And then the word discipline means when they don't fulfill what you have taught them, you discipline them. Proverbs 13 says that he who spares the rod to his son hates his son. Discipline your children. They need to know that there are consequences. They need to know that their reason for obedience is not because you're the boss. Their reason for obedience is because they need to be obedient unto the Lord. And you teaching them is you being obedient unto the Lord. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. I didn't come up with that. I heard it somewhere. Are you leading your family? I told you Wednesday about some of the greatest wisdom that I've received about pastoring a church is that your greatest opportunity for evangelism is children's ministry and how that just really struck me. Why? Why is that true? Look, I know you love your babies. I know that you think they can do no wrong, even though you see them do wrong all the time. I know that. But we are born fallen. None of us are born Christians. None of us are born into Christ. None of us come into this world saved. Not one. Therefore, God has ordained fathers to train their children the things of God. Your child is disobedient to you because your child needs the radical heart change that only comes from Jesus Christ. Your child needs the blood of Jesus every bit as much as the worst sinner on this planet. Your child. Your child does. So if children's ministry is the church's greatest opportunity for evangelism, it's your greatest opportunity for evangelism. But not just opportunity, because as we see in the scriptures, this is your responsibility. It's your duty in the home to lead your children in the things of God. As you teach them to be obedient to you, you're teaching them to be obedient unto the Lord. Your children need to hear about sin. They need to know 
about the gospel. They need to know that they have the issues that they have because they need Jesus to change them. They need that. Let's take a moment to just think about all of the crazy stuff going on right now in America. Home of the free, right? And look at the disaster. Look at the chaos. It brings me the tears to watch just depravities being celebrated all across America. People are cheering on as, as they beat people down, as they burn buildings, as they stop vehicles in the middle of the highway and, and destroy them to drag people out of them. I know that we're in comfortable little old Lubbock and we're in this bubble that nothing ever affects us, but this is what's going on to our brothers and sisters in this country. Brothers and sisters in Christ are out there dying. Brothers and sisters in Christ are out there being hurt by what's happening. And you know what? It's time that we have men who stand up. It's time that we have men who lead their home and stop punting on their responsibilities because they're too tired, because they're too, they work too much, because they do this, because it's too that. No. God appointed you. God appointed you to teach your children. And look at what's happening now. How many of those people, look, do you see how young these kids are? They're, they're not full-grown adults, they're kids. Destroying millions upon millions of unknown damage. Who knows how much this is going to cost. But if we had men, I know that it wouldn't fix everything. I know that I'm not naive but it sure would help. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6. We're going to read verses uh, 6 through 9. And what's happening in this passage is that Moses has just given the Israelites the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. And at the beginning of this chapter, he's beginning to tell them about um, the greatest command, which is to love the Lord your God. And then he goes on to say, verses 6 through 9, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What, what is he saying here? He's saying, parents, keep the commands of God and then teach your kids always. Notice all the different contexts and situations. As you go in, as you come out, as you lie down, as you rise, what is he saying? That means all the time. This is not a popular statement, but listen. Bring your children to church, absolutely. But it's not the church's responsibility to, dis to disciple your kids. 
It's not the church's responsibility to teach your children the things of God. It's yours. That's what it says right here. Teach your kids. Teach them. Get the Bible. Are they going to like it on your first try? No. Of course not. It doesn't say if your children are willing. It says do it. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday. Every day. So I would encourage you as we start this Bible reading plan, do it with your family. Do it with your kids. Start somewhere. I know that we're not all theologians and we're not all brilliant in doctrine. But you can read. Read the Bible with them. What does he mean by do not provoke, though? He says, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Why would he say that? Your Bible might say to exasperate or to embitter or to aggravate instead of provoke. But I like provoke because it's a little bit more overarching and it covers more ground. But it basically means do not bring out any unnecessary emotion, negative emotions from your children. This doesn't mean don't make them angry or walk on eggshells around their emotions. That's not what he's saying. Because how many parents in here know that your children get angry when you tell them to do something they, shouldn't, they don't want to do? They're going to get angry. They're going to get frustrated. That's okay. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is don't do it unnecessarily. Don't put too heavy of a burden on your children that's, that's just too much to bear up under. Let's use wisdom and discernment here. Your children are going to get upset, and that's okay. But some of the ways that parents can provoke their children and, to, and lead to their discouragement is, you know, they bring home a, a B plus, and you tell them it should have been an A. They bring home really good news or some major accomplishment, and you're dismissive about it. Instead of celebrating them and, and encouraging them and affirming them, John Newton, the famous hymn writer, he said, I know that my father loved me, but he did not wish me to see it. That hurts. I know my father loved me, but it seems like he didn't want me to know. That, that hurts. How many people in here, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many people in here have grown up with those kinds of scars? Plenty. This world is full of people who have those scars. And you know what you're doing is you're provoking your children to discouragement because they feel like they're never enough. Nothing I do is good enough. I'm at the top of my class, but I didn't make this. I didn't do that. Now listen, encourage your kids to grow. Absolutely. Encourage them to do the best they can. Absolutely. But don't forget to celebrate when they win. There's also a way of parenting where your child essentially becomes an idol in your life. You elevate pleasing your child over pleasing the Lord. 
You place your children's desires over God's commands. Your life becomes about keeping your child happy instead of spiritually, mentally, and emotionally healthy. This can lead to their exasperation because they're not meant to be your source of joy. Do they bring you joy? Absolutely. But they can't be your source. Only God can. Only God is rich enough in love, in mercy, in grace to be all of our source. But to do that to your children is to put a burden on them that they cannot bear up under and eventually they will become exasperated and it will lead to their discouragement. You can also be overbearing and controlling and you never let your children out of your sight. I'm not talking about your four-year-old who doesn't belong in the street. You know what I mean when I say that. These children typically aren't given the space to grow and to flourish or get this to make mistakes. You constantly put the buffer around them and you don't allow anything to, you don't allow them to, to feel any, any pain or, or make those mistakes or fail. Listen, I know that when I'm a parent, I'm going to do the same thing. When Pastor Matt, you just don't understand, that's my baby, I love them, I would do anything for them. I know. I'm sure when I have children, I'm going to say the same thing. But what we need to ask is, is this what God has prescribed for my child? Is this what God has prescribed for my parenting? Is this how I need to raise them up or not? There's obviously so much more that can be said. But this isn't a parenting conference. I want to bring all of this in and to a point by saying the following. That we live in a time in human history where we really are starting to see and to feel the effects of homes without leadership. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Don't let the fact that you live in this bubble of West Texas fool you or lull you into sleep. These, we need strong Christian men. Christian men who love their wives as Christ loves the church and Christian men who lead their homes well, lovingly. Christian men who say, I know I fail. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I can be better. These days we have men who just work. Men, your biggest contribution to your home should not be that you pay the bills. Your biggest contribution to the home is not providing a living, but it's teaching your children how to live. Too many of us have abandoned our responsibilities in the home because we work too much or we're too tired or, or anything else or we're going with our friends or I need a break or whatever else. Thus, we have so many fathers who have left their post in the home and there's a vacancy there. And you know who's willing to fill that vacancy? Sin. The world and Satan. 
It starts with teaching the children about sin, teaching them about the God who saves, teaching them about the scriptures, teaching them about repentance, teaching them the full counsel of God. Oh, I don't know where to start. Open it. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just go through it. Men, we need you. Now, I know that there's some of you in here who maybe you're being filled, like you're feeling like you're being driven to despair and you're super discouraged right now. And I don't want to leave you that way. We need to understand that the reality of the situation is that we have a lot of people with daddy issues, we call it, because their fathers didn't fulfill their roles in the home. And then we hear about this great God who's supposed to be a father. And what do we say? Yeah, right, I know all about fathers. They leave you. They abandon you. They abuse you. You're never enough for them. They're just there to pay your bills. And we take that approach with God because he's the father, right? That means that he's going to leave me. He's not going to love me. He's always going to think that I need to be better. I'm never going to be enough for him. He's just there to give me things. What a brilliant tool of the enemy this is. But you know what? There is hope in the gospel. If you are discouraged this morning because you're realizing that you have failed or you've fallen short or maybe you're not a parent anymore, your children are off, gone, and whatever your situation is, wherever the discouragement comes from, I encourage you to look to Jesus because he bore all of your sins on the cross of Calvary. All of your shortcomings, all of your failures, all of your not good enoughs, all of the times you broke your promise, all of the times you rebelled against God willingly, he bore them all. God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus died on that cross, bearing the weight, the full measure of your sins. He knew you would never be enough, and he bore it all. And he died and he rose on the third day, and he is now seated at the right hand of God in heaven where he pleads your case. And when you mess up, he says, Father, forgive them again because I paid for that. Do you know this love for yourself? Have you tasted the sweetness of this mercy and grace yourself? If not, I implore you this morning to be reconciled to God by putting all of your faith in the perfect work and person of Jesus Christ, turn to him in repentance, abandoning your sin, and the scriptures say you will be saved. As we close today, I want to say that God's standard in the home is unattainably high. It is. He has set forth for us a perfect example of perfect love as it pertains to husband and wife and parents and children. 
And though it seems unattainable, the gospel of Christ does empower us to fulfill the commands of God. It empowers you to be what you could never be on your own. It empowers you to now serve God freely. The gospel of Christ empowers us to live out the commands of God for our good and the glory of God. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, train your children up in the ways of the Lord, teaching them the far-reaching power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand. going to pray and we'll be dismissed in the usual fashion here in the front and then we'll hand out the calendar for our scripture reading plan and again I want to encourage you if you haven't been doing these things start here start anew let's pray Heavenly Father how much we thank you God for the gospel of Jesus Christ Thank you, God, that we're not enough, but you're more than enough. Thank you, God, that we fail and we fail and we sin and we sin. That you love us despite us. And that in you we have hope for new life in Christ. God, I pray for the fathers, all the parents in this room. Lord, I pray that you empower them and that you convict them to lead lives that are pleasing to you. God, I pray that no one would leave here discouraged, but instead encouraged that they know that if they seek you, you will make this happen in their lives. God, I pray that we would strive this week and the weeks to come to live lives that glorify you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.